This is the Foot in the Box podcast for the week of Monday, March 7th. And now, please rise for the singing of our Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Foot in the Box podcast. My name is Peter Elliott. And I'm Paul Elliott. Thanks so much for uh, listening this week. It's good to be with you. Uh, If you're new to the podcast, we are twin brothers from Champaign, Illinois, home of the University of Illinois, and now home of former NFL coach Levy Smith. Paul, what are your your thoughts on the big news? I I mean, this is the biggest news in Champaign I mean, in quite some time, I would say in years. Uh, I think the weirdest, uh, the weirdest part about this is just that Lovey Smith will be like a celebrity in Champagne. Yes, he will. Uh, so if you like run into him at Starbucks or just around town, it'll be really exciting. I mean, it's also kind of funny that he was probably the most boring coach in the NFL, and now we get him, and it's like the most exciting thing that's happened. Yeah, uh, we don't talk about football much, but yeah, big news uh, in Champaign. Hard to ignore that um, if you're a, a sports fan in Champaign. So Lovey Smith will probably, most likely, be the next coach for the Illini football team. Um, thus ends our uh, football chatter for this week. Um, uh, something else I wanted to note, uh, we've got a new intro song. You know, we kind of phased that in, haven't talked about it the last couple of weeks, but Batter Up by Nelly. Now, now the official song of a foot in the box, Nelly. Please don't sue us. And uh, yeah, we're happy to have you on the podcast. We've gotten rave reviews so far. Several listeners have said they really like it. Yes, uh, Paul. Do you know when that song came out? I guess two thousand eight. It's two thousand. Wow. So it's sixteen years old. Happy to have Nelly on the pod. Uh, previewing this week's podcast, we've got some uh, cool things that uh, we're excited about. First, we're going to talk about kind of current event stuff in baseball. With spring training going on, um, uh, after that, uh, we have a very cool interview with Byron Anderson, who um, hit a home run in a promotion to win season tickets with the Rangers. His story has got picked up by quite a few outlets. Pretty cool story. And so we talked to him for a while. I talked to him for a while. Paul, you were sick, uh, recovering from a cold, uh, as he put it. Um, but have a pretty lengthy interview with him. That's a really cool story, so check out that. And lastly, we've got a pretty unique segment on politics and baseball. Donald Trump is mentioned several times, so uh, you'll want to tune into that, uh, if nothing else, this week. Let's jump in. All right, moving on to current event stuff in baseball. Paul, what did you want to talk about first? Well, I feel like the the first thing that I want to address is the Cespedes pig story. Oh, yeah, that was big news. I feel like that's by far the most interesting story I've read about in spring training. For those that aren't familiar with this story, uh, Jonas Cespedes, the Mets uh, center fielder, uh, just signed a three-year deal with them. One year. One year? It's it's going to be a one-year contract. Yeah, three-year with a one-year opt-out. Which is going to happen. Uh, recently attended a 4-H fair in Florida and bought the grand prize pig for $7,000. And at this fair, he was wearing a cowboy hat, cowboy uh, boots, dressed the part as well. And uh, there's been some controversy after the fact. PETA's gotten involved um, because Cespedes would like to roast the pig, would slaughter it and eat it. And according to a Florida law, a state law, 
Uh, it's actually illegal for him not to slaughter it. If you buy a pig in an auction... Uh, you can't keep it as a pet? You cannot keep it as a pet. Wow. Um, so, very interesting story. The pig was slaughtered. Um, uh, also, uh, as I was like reading that story, I just looked at other Cespedes spring training weirdness. He brought six vehicles yep, that was big to news. spring training, and the average value of those vehicles is $1 million. So, oh, so essentially six $1 million yeah. vehicles. He also rode a, ho- uh, rode a horse with Syndergaard. Yeah. He also brought two horses to spring training and rode one, uh, and Syndergaard rode the other. So just a very interesting uh, figure, and uh, it would have been interesting. Like, I'm a White Sox fan. I wish they would have signed him, but, you know, I, I'm guessing like Robin Ventura is kind of breathing a sigh of relief with <laughs> all of this stuff not coming to Well, the thing is, I mean, it certainly – is being talked about, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a distraction. Like it's yeah. all pretty fun. None of that stuff when you're asked about it is stressful or draining at all. It's all fun. Pretty lighthearted stuff. Yeah. Terry Collins did come out and say that it's time for well, time Terry, to get to work. Terry Collins. Uh, I think he said he wasn't a fan of players wearing backwards hats <laughs> either. Um, all right. So that is, is, uh, what Paul's looking into. Um, I had a, a few actual baseball-related things. First, uh, Chapman, Roldis Chapman, got suspended um, for his incidents, uh, I guess, a couple months ago now Yep. when he uh, had a little dispute with his uh, girlfriend, was it? Girlfriend, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it little. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, charges weren't pressed against him, um, but baseball, Major League Baseball, suspended him for 30 games. It's the first suspension under the new domestic abuse policy agreement that uh, MLB and the Players Union uh, agreed on last August, and um, you know, like I said, 30 games. Uh, Chapman agreed not to appeal it, uh, so MLB and the Players Association worked kind of behind closed doors. Uh, I think pretty smartly to uh, come out with the suspension, come out with the suspension, and then not have the appeal be a big thing like the NFL has had going on the last couple uh, off seasons. Um, Paul, what did you make of the suspension? Yeah, I thought it seemed um, right in line with what I was thinking. Uh, I mean, out of everything that's happened in the NFL with Ray Rice, uh, it would have been pretty shocking if they came back with like a five or a ten game suspension. You know, something similar to what they would get if there was like an on the field brawl. So, I thought thirty games seemed about right. You know, uh, for the, from the Yankees' perspective, I still don't love the move. Really talented pitcher, obviously, but. Um, I just think he's going to be more of a distraction um, than anything, and they, they were already loaded in the bullpen. So I, I still don't know if the move made sense for the Yankees. They had to anticipate that this was going to happen. So. Sure. Yeah, I think they totally knew it was coming. Um, but, I mean, really, he only sits out April. And an interesting thing to note, um, there's a good article from Fangraphs kind of about the legal background of it that we'll link to in the podcast episode page on our website. But uh, if it was 45 games or longer, Chapman wouldn't have been a free agent after 2016. And so there was a lot of incentive for Chapman and his agents to make it less than that. Um, But I do think 30 games is a pretty big deal. Um, uh, But again, for the Yankees, April, you know, Chapman's probably not his best in cold weather anyway. So, um not the, not the end of the world for them, and I think they knew it was coming. Uh, other things to note from around baseball, Dexter Fowler 
this was a couple weeks ago now, but we haven't talked about it. He came back to the Cubs. The rich get richer. Yes, as a listener pointed out, I called that on the last podcast. Did you really? Well, I I was surprised when he told me that, but uh, I said, or Kevin said, that Fowler signed with the Orioles, and I responded with, it's not official yet. Wow. Um, So he came back to the Cubs, pretty big surprise. Uh, None of the Cubs players knew it was happening. Um, Just showed up one one morning and um, shocked everybody. So his deal is essentially one year and $13 million. Uh, the qualifying offer, which he rejected from the Cubs, was $15.8, I think, million. So his agent, um, not a good decision for him. Um, Ian Desmond uh, signed with the Rangers. Again, not a good decision by his agent. He rejected the qualifying offer uh, and accepted a one-year $8 million contract with the Rangers. He'll be playing left field with them. He was previously a shortstop. Uh, two years ago, he turned down a seven-year, uh, $107 million mm-hmm. contract from the Nationals. Um, so not, I think Jim Bowden from ESPN, um, who's not the best at his job, I think he called it the worst contract for a player he's ever seen. Yeah, and like called the one-year $7 million deal the worst? Yeah, like just one-year $8 million. Um, just not a good contract for the player um, in the context of other decisions that he had made previously. Uh, last thing I had is Jay Bruce. Um, he had a trade. The Reds had a trade with Toronto that fell through, and it looks like the White Sox might have interest. Paul, so mm-hmm. I wanted to know your thoughts on Jay Bruce or Carlos Gonzalez or those sorts of players. Uh, no thanks to Jay Bruce. Uh, I would take Gonzalez. Um, granted, or I would take Gonzalez if the Rockies would come down on their asking price. I heard that they're asking for like one major league ready player two top-tier prospects, and then pay for essentially the rest of Gonzalez's salary. But Bruce, in my opinion, is uh, a very average right fielder. And uh, if you look at Which would be a huge improvement over Garcia. Well, I mean, wins above replacement, he was about as bad as Garcia last year. Really? So, uh, I mean, he's a better like clubhouse presence guy. I mean, he's a veteran, so you could maybe spin it that way. But Get him and Frazier reconnected. I don't think it's worth it. Personally, but I would I would take Gonzalez for sure. The White Sox should trade for Bruce and then Brandon Phillips, and get their whole Reds team from like a few years ago back together. Just need to get Dusty to replace. Yeah, Venter. Uh, anything else? One thing I wanted to mention: uh, Photo Day happens during spring training, and there is a very funny uh, article by Grant Brisby of SB Nation that we'll link to in the podcast uh, page, um, but it. Uh, categorized 11 different uh, types of uh, photo day pictures. And it was one of the funnier things I've read in a long time. Did you see this? I it's I favorited it on Twitter to read later, but I haven't looked at it yet. So you use the favorite as like or a... Re- I guess it's not favorite anymore. You you like it. Do you... If you read that article later and don't like it, do you go back and unlike the uh, tweet? Yes. And usually if I read it, Regardless if I like it or not, and I like it. I like it, yeah. But very funny article. Um, uh, and Grant Brisby is one of my favorite baseball writers. So he covers the Giants. Giants, but kind of all of Major League Baseball. What What was the article? Uh, so it just had examples. Uh, Brisby uh, lists out eleven different types of uh, photos. Like what the first one is like showing the baseball and it just has examples of like has, Hector Santiago has a picture of him just showing the camera, the baseball. And the really funny thing is like just how uh, ridiculous the pictures are that they make players take. Gotcha. 
I'll have to check it out. Sorry if we're a bit distracted. Got spring training baseball on over here. Next to us, the Cubs are losing 5-3. to three. Um, So sorry about that. Also, across the street, update, the kids are playing ball again. Yep. You got some, uh, looks like maybe club, club act- team activity going on in the baseball field across the street. So if you hear that in the background, uh, you'll know why. You got anything else from around baseball? Uh, speaking of pictures, one last thing, Pablo Sandoval. Oh, he's very fat. That came out literally like seconds after we finished recording last last. Uh, However, last time. there's been a lot written about his workout routine in the off season. Apparently, he worked out two times a day, six days a week. What is he eating? Uh, that was a big question. But he would wake up at four thirty and get like a morning workout in, do hitting, and then an afternoon workout. So it's just very surprising that he's still very very overweight. He's got to eat an enormous amount of food. Uh, maybe he's just got low metabolism. Uh, all right, so moving on to uh, our interview. I guess before we move on, uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at A Foot in the Box and send us any emails you have at uh, A Foot in the Box at gmail.com. We would love to answer your questions on our podcast, especially before the season starts um, and before we kind of get busier covering the season. So that's A Foot in the Box on Twitter and A Foot in the Box at gmail.com. Um, We'd love to interact with you. All right, so our interview this week is with Byron Anderson. We talked about him a little bit on the last podcast. He was the guy that hit up the home run to win, win the uh, free season tickets with the Rangers. A lot of teams are doing these promotions where if you buy season tickets and then, um, you know, by a certain date, and then you get a shot to hit a home run in the stadium, and if you hit the home run, you get your season tickets paid for. Uh, pretty much no one no one has ever done it. It's pretty difficult. But Byron Anderson... Uh, did that um, with the Texas Rangers um, at, um, what's the stadium called now? used to be Ballpark in Arlington. It's like Sun Life Stadium now or something. Anyway, he did it there, and we wanted to talk with him. He's got a pretty cool story. Uh, But before we talk to him, or before I talk to him, um, I wanted to play you just the the video, the audio from uh, from when he hit the, the home run. It's pretty cool. So here it is. What an amazing uh, moment with his uh, with his kids there, and I love the the song from the Natural mm-hmm. that, that plays as he's rounding the bases. Uh, just an awesome, awesome moment. Yeah, and uh, you know, obviously the video is better than the audio, um, uh, so you can check that out on our podcast episode page. Would encourage you to do that if you haven't seen it already. Um, but you can hear his son, who's seven, I believe, uh, cheering him on, or you know, right uh, next to the field. And uh, just really cool moment um, for a guy and his son and his family. Um, 
We're going to interview Byron right now on the podcast. I had a chance to speak with him uh, earlier today on Sunday, and a really cool guy, and look forward to you meeting him. So we'll do that interview right now. All right, this is Peter back on the podcast, and I am uh, super excited for you to meet this week's guest, Byron Anderson. He joins us on the phone now. Welcome to the Foot in the Box podcast, Byron. Hey, glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So uh, you did something pretty cool a couple weeks back, and uh, we've talked about it on the podcast uh, previously, and um, you know we've seen the video and, and read some stories, but just I wanted to hear from you in your own words. Just walk us through what that experience was like and just how the whole thing went down. All right. Well, I'll kind of start where I, uh, I don't know where, where I kind of first heard about the competition. I think the best place to start. I actually heard about it on the radio driving to work one day. I'm a middle school coach and a teacher uh, here in Texas, in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, <clears throat> I heard about the competition uh, and played college baseball at a school over here, a Division II school called Tarleton State. And uh, I knew that I might be able to do it. But when I went and looked up the rules, it said it just said no college or professional players. Okay. Uh, so I was kind of disappointed because I, I didn't think I was going to get to do it. Uh, so I kind of put it to the side. I heard about it probably Tuesday. And then Friday, the guy that actually came up with the idea, uh, Chet Morgan, he's the PA guy here at uh, the ballpark in Arlington, or now it's Globe Life Park. Okay. He uh, was on the radio with uh, RJ Choppy and – a show down here uh, on one of the stations I listened to. And R.J. Chapia, he's actually a friend of mine, uh, one of the guys that does, that does the, the radio show. And I actually tweeted uh, to Chuck Morgan and said, hey, man, how come, uh, how come I can't take my cuts? You know, I never played professional baseball. I played four years of college. I played at a junior college and then at a four-year school. Um, by no means was I like an all-star or a stud. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I was good at, you know, I, I did, I did okay. And, uh, just said, you know, why can't I participate? And he got back to me, Chuck Morgan got back to me with an hour and said, Hey man, uh, you know, you're, you know, you're old enough. You're, he goes, you can come out and take your, your cuts. If you'll buy, you know, you gotta buy season tickets. Uh, and the deal was that you had to buy at least a half season, a season ticket. So it's 41 games. And, uh, Basically, what they said is they're going to give you uh, three swings to win your seats hmm. uh, if, you, if you can hit one out. And yeah, I don't know about you. I imagine you're the same way as me. But, you know, I ended up putting down – the tickets we were going to get were $2,000. I ended up putting down $387 uh, for a deposit. I would have had to pay that up by March 4th, wow. I think. So, uh, <clears throat> anyway, I don't know. I got close to do it, but I still had to get – I mean, like I said, I'm a teacher. My wife's a teacher, and uh, we do all right, but we don't have a lot of money to spend, you know, freely about on things like that. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really going to do the the competition until that Saturday. About the competition was from ten to three. You could come out at any time. And they said they'd get you in. And it was about noon. We were watching my son's flag football game, and my. Uh, my father-in-law and my dad were sitting there just talking about it. And I said, you know, hey, there's this cool thing today out there in the ballpark and kind of explained to him what it was. And those two guys were like, busted out the credit card and were like, we'll go in the third with you. Wow. 
my father, yeah, my father-in-law just retired, um, so he had some free time. And then my dad is very near retirement and owns his own business. So they're both like, yeah, well, we'll enjoy the games. You'll get to do something you always wanted to do. So wow. let's go give it a try. We'll split it with you three ways. So I promptly went to the batting cages. <laughs> uh, my wife sat in the car with my uh, with my, my daughter, who was asleep, and my son and I went in. And, <clears throat> I, you know, I, I played old man baseball. You know, I actually played a hardball league here in Fort Worth. Uh, but I didn't play last year because of a conflict of interest in my work. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just couldn't make it to enough games, and we yeah. played throughout the whole summer, and I couldn't commit. So anyways, my uh, we went in there. I don't know. Have you ever heard about that hit tracks, what hit tracks is? Uh, hit tracks is like this. It, it's, a, it's a thing that goes in batting cages. They have it at different places, and basically it puts you in the stadium, Huh. Like so, there's like a, a meter in there. That it's kind of like when you go play golf at like, uh, yeah, some of those places, and it'll tell yep. you how far you hit it. Yeah, but you can do it in a different stadium. Okay. Well, we, there there was one of those in that thing, and I think I hit two balls that they said got out out of about a hundred. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I got back in the car with my wife, and I said, you know, if, if uh, this wasn't if this was all our money, we probably wouldn't <laughs> be going to do this today. Yeah. So that was just kind of how I got it and how I kind of, you know, finally decided to go. We just, my wife's like, let's just go. You'll enjoy it. So we got there, and I'm sure you guys know who Michael Young is, yep. uh, extra Texas Ranger. Well, yep. we got there and went to the front, and uh, the guy I talked to his name's John that signed me up to do it. And I said, be honest with me, is the wind blowing in? Do I have any chance to do it? He said, well, he goes, the wind's not blowing in. It's kind of blowing across. Uh, if, you know, you have to catch one really good, but you can do it. And he goes, I think. You look like an athletic guy. <laughs> he said, I will tell you this. Michael Young couldn't do it earlier today. Oh, man. He took about 30 swings. Oh, geez. And Michael Young couldn't hit one out. Yeah, so, uh, again, I'm kind of doubting myself. And my wife looks at me again and goes, look, let's just do it. We'll enjoy the tickets. You know, she, I said, all right, finally we said, okay. So we went, we went down to the fields, my wife, my son. My daughter has won, and then uh, and then me, of course. And uh, we got down there, and I brought my own bat because uh, I didn't want to just use like a random bat. Sure. Uh, I have a wood bat that I use. The league I play in is wood, so I just brought mine, and uh, I wanted a grip on the bat as well. So I got down there, and the guy like kind of inspected my bat, and he's like, "All right, this works. You know, it's a wood bat." He goes, it's a good thing you brought your own bat. We'd have to wait any anyways, because all the other guys that had hit had broke the bat <laughs> that they had. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, and then, you know, this is kind of when it, it picks up where you see the video. If you watch the full video, there's a full one that's three minutes that I put up, and then there's, you know, there's been other incantations of it that are a little bit slower. Sure. Or, or a little bit shorter, I should say. So, anyways, I... uh I walked up to the plate, and, uh, you know, I actually got, the guy goes, you know, he said, originally it was going to be three pitches. And the guy goes, all right, so here's the deal. It was going to be three pitches. He goes, but nobody's gotten close. And he goes, Michael Young couldn't do it. So what we're <laughs> going to do is kind of make this more, because I don't think they felt like anybody's going to do it at all. Yeah, definitely. Goes, what we're going to make this is more of like a BP session for you. He goes, we'll count everything that you do. You'll get 10 to 15 pitches. He goes, don't worry about anything that's going on. Just go out and have a good time. 
So I was just like, all right, well, I get 10 to 15. That's awesome. I'll take that getting down here. I was like, that'll be fun. I wasn't even really thinking about it. I hit a home run at that time. Mm-hmm. So uh, then it picks up and, you, you, you know. You took a few bunts, right? It, yeah, yeah. I laid a couple bunts down because I just wanted to get a feel for the pitching machine. And, yeah. You know, calm down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, this is my, one of my, you know, I've been a Rangers fan since I was a little kid. I went to the old ballpark before they had the new one that uh-huh. was there with my dad all the time. So, you know, this is a thrill for me in itself. Um, so I bunted a couple, and I'm trying to make it last as long as I can. Uh, I bunted a couple, um, and then I start swinging. And the first two pitches that I, I looked at a couple pitches, and then the next couple pitches, I, I hit two line drives, one a little bit lower. Uh, then the other, the first one lower, and the second one was uh, like three hop the fence. Hmm. And just that pitch I kind of hit, I was like, all right, this isn't that bad. The wind's not blowing that bad. It's kind of pushing it towards center. Like, I got to get one, but, you know, I can get one. And it kind of gave me confidence. The next couple pitches I took, then I missed one. And uh, if you've ever taken BP, they're feeding, you know, obviously real baseballs through a pitching machine. Mm-hmm. Well, if you get a cut or a scuff on a ball, the balls can dive and just take off. Yeah. And I, people give me a hard time for missing the one in front of it, too. <laughs> but, like, that ball kind of – that was, like, the nastiest screwball I've ever seen. <laughs> and, I, you know, like I said, I hadn't swung the bat in about a year. So, um, the next pitch I, that I swung at, I tipped. Or tick, you know, or yeah. foul tipped or whatever. Um, and then I kind of owe the guy that was – doing the pitching machine i kind of owe him uh a little bit of a thank you because he had been kind of waiting for me and this time he kind of quick pitched me mm-hmm. as soon as i got ready he just fed it in and i didn't have time to think and, you know uh especially in my baseball career that's probably when i always do my best work you know when you're you're not thinking you just react you can clear your mind sure i think the really good hitters you know in baseball those guys that can do that they can they don't feel the moment they don't feel the pressure they just react and mm-hmm. for because that guy did that to me uh his name is nick richardson i owe him a big thanks because uh that was the one that i caught just right yeah and uh you know if you've read some of the stories and stuff like that there's different reports around about the ball going into the stands and stuff like that but it didn't go into the stands. It's 354, uh, about 20 foot down the line, and there's a 354 sign that you can look at. It, my ball that I hit, I had to yell at it, kind of like <laughs> doing golf, to, to get it out because yeah. it literally did not go over that sign by about maybe a foot or two. It went <laughs> right in between uh, the stands and the fence, and they didn't have to go up to the stands to retrieve it. Wow. And, you know, that after that is just – I was so happy that it went out. I, I started running, and I looked over at my wife and my kids, and they're going crazy. And uh, I don't know. I just the, – the natural thing – they didn't have the bases out or anything, but the natural thing to do felt like running the bases. Definitely. And so I was like – I ran the bases. He played the music. Yeah, that music, is, music was awesome. Video, well, yeah, that music was cool. And that's uh, – you know, I, I, I had my hands up. I thought they might – fire the fireworks i guess i was hoping for that i didn't get fireworks but but i mean it couldn't have been any better it was really cool and uh, i don't know it's just the experience of a lifetime for a guy like me that's uh been a baseball fan of the rangers and 
just like a you know played throughout college. It, was, it really just was a dream come true. Whether I got the season tickets or not, mm-hmm. that was an awesome extra bonus. Well, then uh, after, it really was a dream come true. After you did that, they upgraded the tickets, right? You got yeah, you got four tickets to every game, and you got upgraded to section two, right? I got. I didn't get it to. What they did was they gave me. They said, "All right, here's what we're going to do." And they upgraded me off. And they said we're going to give you ten thousand dollars worth of tickets. Okay. Anything that's over that, if you want to get tickets that are better than ten thousand dollars, okay, then you can pay over. If you want to get less, that's you know whatever. They said ten thousand dollars. So what we did is, you know, like I said, I got two kids, and it's hard for me to go to every game. It's a little bit different than it is in some of the other cities as far as the distance between where we live and the and the ballpark. I got a I got a half game package. Okay. Um, that, and I upgraded to like Lexus level seats, uh, which is like the second tier, and it's kind of where they'll bring you down food and stuff like that. And really, like I said, my my uh, mother and father in law, and then my dad, and then a little bit, you know, they're both in their sixties, and they don't like to get up and get down too much. And then we've got the kids, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to sit somewhere that was so close where we were worried about balls with two young kids. Definitely, and, you know, that's a big. A big deal. So we just kind of picked something in the middle, and they're great seats, um, you know. But the Rangers, like, I mean, in every way, they're pretty awesome. Uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of funny to play the song the nat- that natural song. Yeah, actually, if you've ever seen that movie, uh, I have that tattoo on my right shoulder, the patch that they get. Seriously, I got that when I was like nineteen. Yeah, oh, man, I that's fate. The, that's fate. That, that patch, that's the only tattoo I have, and I had it. So I got to run around the bases to that song, which is – The Natural's my favorite movie, so that was pretty cool. Okay. Dang, well, I've just got – I got a few questions uh, sure. about the experience. So if one, having your son there to watch you, um, and in the video that I saw at least, he's – you know, right before you hit the homer, he's cheering you on, you know, come on, Daddy. Yeah. Uh, how cool was it that he was there to see that, and what's his reaction been like afterwards? Well, for me, it may have even been cooler. Part of the reason this story is taken off, and it's really surprising to myself and my wife how many people have uh, attached to it. We didn't really understand it, you know, because I was just thinking about the tickets and winning and hitting a home run. Mm -hmm. I guess kind of being selfish, but I didn't think about, uh, you know, that was just what was natural to me is reacting like that to my son. I didn't think about that until we we went out to celebrate uh, and had dinner later that night. Um, and you know, we're, we hadn't really, we went and dropped the kids off and changed and got ready and went, uh, and went to eat at one of our favorite restaurants and we're looking at our Facebook feeds, you know, that's where I posted it. I don't have all the nuke stuff. Like I'm not gramming much or anything like that. I am (laughs) on Twitter, but not very active. Yeah. Um, so I'm an old man on Facebook, but you know, that, that was what everybody would say. They were like, the home run was cool. The tickets are cool. But that moment with your son, he's going to remember that his whole life. And I was like, you know what? That's right. He is going to, you know, remember that. I can remember my times when my, my dad didn't play much sports when I was a kid. He was already past that. But the one times he did, I remember thinking it was so cool to get to watch your dad play sports. Um, I, uh, and it, it, you know, for me, it was even more special because my son was born 13 weeks premature. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the hospital for 82 days. Um, and he that you know, the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit, he was, he had a heart surgery. It was a minor heart surgery, if you can call it that. But, mm-hmm. you know, so he had, 
use our little miracle. We have two of them because my daughter was too. She wasn't uh, as early as he was, but my son was, you know, like there were a lot of times where we didn't know if we were ever going to be able to bring him home. So, uh, so getting to do that and then getting to have that moment, you know, as a parent, you take for granted some of those times that you don't remember, you know, or at least I do because I forget that those two kids are the same kid. And it's hard to think of that kid being the kid that was in the hospital, what he is now. Cause yeah. now he's totally healthy and he doesn't have any problems or anything like that. He's just a normal kid. So that may have made it even more special. Uh, as far as how he's reacted, um, you know, that's a funny, it's a weird thing to balance, um, with a kid because you don't want him to, cause he did go on TV and make, you know, we took it. He wanted to be on TV. So we <laughs> took him on TV to one of the deals we went to. Um, but we didn't want to make a big deal of it. Like with his, he, he just started kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't want him to like, he, I would say he was really excited. Um, he didn't understand the whole situation, uh, yet. He just understood that dad hit a home run. Um, and then it was pretty cool. He kept thanking me like throughout the week. Hey, Dan, thanks for hitting that home run. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, thanks for hitting it. I will say this. I went on, they had three different, uh, we went on a show, a TV station that night on the Monday, the Monday after. But during the day, two different stations came to my school and like, uh, you know, talked to me at school. And he was kind of mad at me that he didn't get to be on TV with mm. those. <laughs> Yeah. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, something like this, It's you don't know how to handle everything that goes with it as a parent. You try to do your best, but yeah. he was he was mad at me because he didn't get to go on all the shows. <laughs> how did, you said you're a middle school teacher, how did your students react to it all? Um, it's been positive for the most part. I'm a math teacher, and like I said, I'm a coach as well. You coach, um, you coach baseball? So, uh, I do not coach baseball. It's a, it's a middle school. We don't have middle school here in baseball. I okay. did. Uh, I coached freshman a couple of years ago, but there's middle school. As a middle school coach, I get to spend more time with my kiddos and my wife. And, yeah. Uh, that's what's that's what I like to do. So okay. um, I coach football, basketball, and then track season's going on right now. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, the kids the kids were uh, the kids were. I don't know. Some of them, you know, obviously. It's weird because I had kids that are in my class the whole year, and now they want my autograph. But I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's autographs that I'm about to give you. Well, it's very flattering that you want it. You know, it's not worth anything. <laughs> or, you know what I'm saying? This I didn't do something, you know, like in a World Series game where now, I, you know what I mean? This is yeah. This is a flash in a pan that you know was a really cool story and has been really awesome. But like, there's no reason for you to get my autograph. <laughs> uh, you know, the, I, I would say the best thing that's probably come out of the kids doing it is um, that they listen to me during class, <laughs> maybe, maybe a little bit more than they usually did for a couple of weeks, and that's even kind of wearing off now because, you know, they they tend to forget pretty quick. But the best thing is probably that they listen to me. For, I probably I probably was more effective teaching during those uh, <laughs> those weeks. Yeah, than I have been for a while because the kids I could actually count on them listening during that time. None, none of them wanted you to try out like the rookie. Didn't that happen in Texas uh, too? Yeah, there's there's been a lot of people saying that, and you know, uh, I kind of thought about it, but I'm 37. I'll be 38 in April. Um, you know, and that's a different kind of thing for for trying out for baseball. I mean, don't get me wrong. If somebody came to me and said, 
you want to try out and be in spring training, I'd probably go do it. Mm-hmm. But getting timing as a hitter and not really competitively hit at that level, um, really ever, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that would be – I mean, that would be pretty amazing. Now, I'm never going to doubt myself that I couldn't do it, but I'm going to say it's not – I'm a coach also, so I know – it's not very probable. But, yeah, the kids ask me why, and you just kind of say, well, that's, you know, those dudes now are pumping 100. You know, yeah. a normal reliever pumps around, you know, 92, 93 miles an hour. And that, that's mm-hmm. a little different than hitting off a 70-mile-an-hour <laughs> batting machine. Yeah. Hey, but Michael Young couldn't do it, so you never know. Yeah, well, that's also – Michael Young never really was a power hitter either. I True. did. In my time in college, I could hit home runs. I hit 43 home runs in college. So oh, that wow. was uh, something that I was good at. But, you know, if I was 20, if this would have happened after I got out of college, I could have had, you know, I really think I could have hit in the majors. I don't, I do not think I could have, you know, I would play first base or left field or something like that. I'm, I wasn't uh, the fleetest of foot mm-hmm. and I don't have the biggest arm ever. But I could always hit. Maybe I should have caught. That's probably what I should have done. I just caught my whole life. <laughs> Yeah, but if I was 24 or even 28 or 29, maybe I'd have got something like that. But probably not at 37, 38. It's mm-hmm. as they say in the natural. Uh, you know, they say I think the line is, uh, "Buddy, guys retire at your age. They don't start out playing rookie ball." Yeah. Uh, two, just two questions left. Uh, one, sure. so you, you've got the season tickets, and you've mentioned a lot of people that'll take advantage of them, but just ha- have a lot of people come to you wanting those tickets, or who's at the top of the list for guys? Uh, that you'll take to the game? Um, well, of course, my family, uh, you know, the people that uh, we're going to split them three ways. And actually, we've already talked to my, I've already talked to both my, my dad and my father-in-law. They only want tickets to like three games during the season each. So wow. um, we have already given some tickets away to a charitable event. You know, they have cool. a, I think it's called the Warrior Wishes okay. is, uh, for some of the injured uh, our injured veterans that come back or are injured, uh, we they asked for a day, and we were happy. You know, once I made sure that it it was legit organization, we were very happy to give it to those because, um, you know, I don't base, I don't think baseball players or football players or any of those guys are really real heroes. Mm-hmm. Those guys that come back from fighting uh, overseas and and do stuff like that and make sacrifices on their life. Uh, for for our freedom, those are the guys that are the real heroes. Uh, so we were very happy to give tickets to those guys for that night. And then, uh, really, I have my wife has had more friends joke about wanting the tickets than I have. I haven't had anybody like really even ask me for tickets. I I don't know. I I'm a family guy, so mm-hmm. you know I don't have. I don't know if you are or not, but you know once you have a couple of kids. The people that you go out and hang around with, it becomes a much more limited group. For sure. Um, and so I just haven't had many people do it. I think, you know, I work out at a gym, a CrossFit gym, and I just happened to be wearing a CrossFit shirt that night mm-hmm. uh, when I did, when I hit the home run. So it's in a lot of the pictures. My, so the guy that owns the gym was pretty happy because <laughs> <laughs> I had that shirt on. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, it's been, I mean, it really has been. I had a couple of comments on Facebook page, like one said that I was on steroids, which oh, is gosh. hilarious. Gosh. And then one, and then one said that I was, you know, uh, what did they say that I had a gut, but I mean, I can't, <laughs> I can't disagree with the gut part. I'm not on steroids. Uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have a gut if I was, but 
That's you great. Know, I, you know, I've been work, all I can tell that guy is I've been working on this guts for years. I'm still trying to get rid of it. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> Facebook commenters are the best, right? Yeah, right. Um, so you, you said earlier you're a big Rangers fan. I just wanted to ask you your expectations for this year. They had a lot of success last year, pretty surprising season. Um, are you expecting them to make the playoffs this upcoming year, or what What are your expectations going into the season? You know, it's 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 hard for me to really predict, and, and I'm a baseball guy. Uh, I would say my expectations are middle of the road. Uh, I would expect them to be uh, a competitor for that. You know, one of the the spots. I think they're going to have to win. Uh, you know, their division to get into the playoffs. Hmm. Uh, it depends on how you Darvish. You know, how effective you Darvish is when he comes back. Um, I think they put a lot together. I really like uh, Jeff Bannister, their new manager. I think he does a great job. I love mm-hmm. his never ever quit saying everything that that guy says. It's really inspiring, uh, and I'm a big fan of his. So, you know, but a lot of things happened right last year for them to get things going. They've got a lot of young talent that's coming up um, in the minor leagues. And, uh, you know, but can Prince Fielder put together a season like he did last year? As You know, that guy's getting up close to my age, and he's a heavy guy. Yeah, he's got a gut. Heavy guys, yeah, they they tend to fall off pretty quick. So, you know, he's got to keep his thing going. Adrian Beltre, he's got to stay, still stay healthy mm-hmm. um, over there at third base. Uh, I like Odor. I think El- you know the one guy that I really believe in. I think is going to have a great season, even though he had a hard end of the year last year, about as bad as it could be. I think Elvis Andrews is going to have a really good year. Yeah, um, I've just been hearing good things about him. He had a good second half of the season last year. Um, I really like, you know, I really like the guy. I really like him and Beltre, how they hang. That's my probably my favorite part of the team is how those two guys interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, since there's just so many question marks, can Sensu Chu play like he did the second half of the season? I mean, what they did last year was kind of a miracle coming back from the horrible start that they had. Uh-huh. Um, I've been to opening day for like 13 years in a row, and I've never seen an opening day where it just felt like, oh, my gosh, this season's going to be horrible, you know. And I probably, you probably go back and look on my Facebook and see that I, I put that down a couple times. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel good about this team, but they proved me wrong. And I, you know, I hope they're competitors. It'd be fun to watch it. I don't. To be honest with you, I'm not. I'm a realist when it comes to my sports teams. Uh, I don't think <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you they're the World Series favorite, but I'll tell you they'll be in the running. And you got to get in the tournament. And uh, you can get in that tournament and kind of catch it. You know what I mean? Be that it team. Yeah. You can do anything, and I think they could certainly do that. So that's a roundabout way of me saying <laughs> uh, I think they'll be competitive for the playoffs, but I don't know for sure. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they'll get them. How much do you hate the Blue Jays after last? Uh, the, how it ended last year? Um, you know, I think – I don't know. I was very surprised by Blue Jays fans, uh, the way that they acted. For sure. Uh, probably more than anything because, you know, Canadians have a – have a reputation for being some of the uh, coolest and, and most laid-back people ever. I'm not mad at, you know, a team or anything like that. I'm not a big fan of Josh Donaldson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's kind of a, a goober. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't feel bad. You know, Jose Batista, that guy's been a good player for a long time. And if I hit a home run like that in a big game and I would, had enough thoughts to do a bat flip like that, 
I probably would have done it myself. Hey, where was your bat you flip? Know, he, bat flip when you hit hit it uh, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Man, I I didn't have time to do it. Now, if you look, go back and look. I did lay it down kind of, <laughs> but I, I forgot the bat flip. Uh, I was busy yelling at it. <laughs> and the thing is about bat flips, you better only do a bat flip if you really know it's going to go out. Yeah. If I'd have known the ball I hit was going to go out by twenty or thirty feet, I would have done a bat flip, yeah. and I really would have. I, but I would not have the ball that I hit. Only like I said, it literally it may have hit the back of the fence. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it didn't go out by much, so I, I couldn't afford. But if I was Batista and I hit one like that, man, I'd flip it too. Yeah. So I don't hate the I don't hate the Blue Jays at all. They're you know they're, I, I was surprised by how their fans acted, but I don't hate them. I mean, if I'm going to hate any team, it's going to be the Cardinals or the way we lost to the Cardinals years oh, yeah. ago in 2011. I'll never get over that. They used to be my second favorite team. I've got an aunt and an uncle that live up there and have had season tickets for forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and those two, I went to almost as many games with them, you know, watching Ozzie Guillen uh, and guys like that. Um uh, with the Cardinals back in the day. Um, but, man, I can't stand the Cardinals now after that because every time I see the Cardinals or David Freeze, all I can think about is that fly ball to right field. Oh, yeah. Nelson Cruz. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Cubs fan, so I, I'm right there with you in hating the, the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, well, you've had some bad ones too, man. <laughs> I think uh, – Yeah, this is the year though, right? I don't know. I don't th- it, it got down to – we had two strikes and two outs twice in consecutive innings. Oh, yeah. I don't think it, it doesn't get much worse than that one. For sure. Well, uh, listeners, uh, I know, Byron, you said you don't tweet very often, but if they want to follow you on Twitter, what's your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Sports Byron. Cool. At Sports Byron. Uh, that's it. So. Cool. Yeah, you can find me there if you want to follow me. Definitely, and we'll link to the to the video and our podcast episode page on our website. And uh, if you're interested in watching it, if you haven't seen it yet, go and watch it. It's super cool. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Byron, and uh, good luck to the Rangers this year. Hey, thank you, sir. Good luck to the Cubbies, and uh, uh, you have a good one, and uh, we'll talk at you again some other time. Thanks, man. All right, so thanks again. Uh, this is Peter back on the podcast. Thanks again to Byron for um, making time for us and doing that interview. Uh, really cool stuff from him. And uh, you know, look forward to having him on again if the, the Rangers do something crazy or if he hits another uh, homer for season tickets. Um, but really cool guy. Thanks uh, a bunch to Byron. All right, our last segment for this podcast is very unique. Um, I first want to give a shout-out to a podcast listener, uh, Matt from Minnesota, for this idea. As probably all of you know, we are right in the middle of the primary portion of the 2016 presidential campaign. Both the Democrats and Republicans need to select their next candidate for the general election in November. And it's been a uh, pretty chaotic race so far, again, as probably all of you know, uh, especially on the the Republican side of things. And uh, as of right now, you'd have to say unfortunately, in my opinion, uh, that Donald Trump is the favorite to be the Republican nominee, uh, although that's far from a done deal. Other people still have a chance. Um, but that's not what we want to talk about. Um, if Trump was the nominee, he would be one of the stranger uh, nominees, probably uh, one of the most formative candidates uh, of one of the two major parties to actually be endorsed and run for president as the nominee. 
uh, in the history of the country. Um, but he's not the only strange candidate to be the Republican or Democratic nominee. Uh, so Paul and I have come up with a short list of our top four, uh, besides Trump, top four kind of worst nominees in uh, American history to run for president under the Republican or Democratic side. Uh, Paul has two. I have two. Uh, we'll give you a little bit of background on the person, on the nominee, but then the bulk of our time will be spent discussing the baseball season in which they ran for president. Um, and that's why we're talking about it on the podcast. That's the tie-in to baseball. Uh, Paul, do you think that, that makes sense? Did I explain it well? Yeah, I think that describes it accurately, and I think it'll be fun to discuss these strange political figures and older baseball seasons. Absolutely. So you want to go first? Sure. So first candidate I'm going to talk about is Barry Goldwater, uh, who ran for president in 1964. Uh, he was a U.S. senator from Arizona and a very controversial, uh, polarizing figure. I've actually heard even before doing some research for this, a lot of people compare Donald Trump uh, to Barry Goldwater. He was a Republican, um, as I mentioned, from Arizona. And uh, at, at the time he was running for president, there was a kind of a divide in the Republican Party. Uh, a lot of Republicans from the West and from southern states were pushing for more um, what we, we might call right-wing politics now, where Eastern Republicans were a little bit more liberal. So there was this divide, and Goldwater really catered to the Republicans from the West and from the South. At one point, he, while he was running for president, went so far as to say that America might be better off, and the Republican Party might be better off if the eastern uh, half of the United States was cut off. And um, but, so, sounds like Trump. Yeah, left to go out to sea. Um, yeah, so very controversial, polarizing figure. He fought against uh, the New Deal. Thought the New Deal was a terrible thing that um, FDR had done back in the 30s during the Depression. Uh, hated communism and the Soviet Union. And the biggest thing, uh, biggest fear at the time was that if Goldwater won the, um, won the presidency, he would start a nuclear war. And he was not um, bashful about saying that he would use uh, nu nuclear weapons if he were president. Uh, but he lost in the presidential election, won the Republican primary, but lost in the, the general election to Lyndon B. Johnson. And it was one of the most lopsided losses in the history of presidential races. He only won 36% of the popular vote in six states. Uh, so LBJ won um, 44 states compared to his six. And um, uh, LBJ's campaign uh, against uh, Goldwater at one point had the slogan, uh, in your guts, you know he's nuts. So I thought that was pretty funny. And we'll see if uh, Hillary Clinton pulls that out. Yeah, if, breaks it out again. If Trump wins the nominee, um, and, and similar to, to Donald, in in your brain, you know he's insane. That's good. That's good. Boom. Um, and uh, similar to Trump, the uh, KKK actually publicly endorsed him. Um, uh, now Goldwater never came out and you know backed the KKK or anything like that, but he didn't publicly denounce it either. Um, so very interesting political figure. But moving on to the 1964 baseball season. Uh, the Yankees and Cardinals competed in the World Series in 1964, and there's actually a really good book written by David Haberstam called hmm. October 1964. Yeah. That goes into a ton of detail about that pennant race. Uh, but the Cardinals won in seven games over the Yankees, and, and this was really the end of the Yankees dynasty. 
in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. I think they had competed in something like 29 of, of 45 World Series, which is just an insane number over that length of time. It was also the end of Mickey Mantle's run as one of the best players in baseball. Um, he, he he was still a very, very good uh, player that year. actually came in second in MVP voting. Um, but Ken Boyer, third baseman for the Cardinals, won the National League MVP that year. Brooks Robinson, third baseman for the Orioles, won the American League MVP. Uh, Willie Mays, center fielder of the Giants, was in the peak of his career. He actually led baseball in wins above replacement that year with 11. And second in 1964, Peter, do you have any idea? Cubs player. I was actually very surprised by this. Ernie Banks. Ron Sano. Okay. So you have, you know, two third basemen winning the MVP, Ken Boyer, Brooks Robinson, but Ron Sano, third baseman of the Cubs, was actually second in wins above replacement at 8.9. So kind of interesting. Harmon Killebrew, a player for the Twins, led the league in home runs with 49. Uh, Dean Chance, a pitcher for the Angels, won the Cy Young. Also led the uh, American League in ERA and wins. And Larry Jackson, a Cubs pitcher I had never heard of before. Me neither. Uh, led the league with 24 wins. Uh, and my last nugget from that season, and this is fascinating to me, the day after the World Series, so you have the Yankees and Cardinals competing, seven-game World Series, the day after uh, both teams are looking for a new manager. Uh, the Cardinals, Johnny Keane, uh, resigned the day after the season was over, and Yogi Berra was fired. Pretty interesting. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, my first candidate is uh, Horace Greeley from 1872. I think the rest of our candidates are from kind of the 1960s, 70s, and 80s. So I uh, thought I'd throw one in from a long time ago. 1872, uh, Horace was born in 1811. So he was pretty old when he ran for president. Um, he was the editor of the New York Tribune, a big newspaper at the time. Uh, Mark Twain was a writer, actually, for the uh, New York uh, Tribune for a while um, in the 1860s. Um, Greeley was from the Northeast, as were most people born in the 1800s. Um, <laughs> the West didn't really exist uh, back then. Uh, he was one of the founders of the Republican Party, and he supported Lincoln. Um, but in 1871, the liberal Republican Party was formed, like Paul said, uh, with these major parties are oftentimes um, splits uh, or people disagree with each other within the party. And this one was so bad that uh, the liberal Republican Party was formed, and it was formed to oppose uh, the president at the time, Ulysses S. Grant, who was um, you know, famous from the Civil War. Um, the new party selected Greeley to run against Grant in 1872, and the Democrats uh, you know, were forced to make a choice. Do they pr promote their own candidate, or do they just throw their support at this new party? And Greeley, they opted to give their support to Greeley so that uh, Grant didn't win easily, because if they had promoted their own candidate, those two candidates would have split, and Grant would have won easily. Um, that was their decision at the time. Greeley lost the Electoral College uh, very badly, 286 to 66, um, and the thing that's that's more famous now is that the election occurred on November 6th, 1872, but then Greeley's health quickly um, went south after he lost, and he died uh, three weeks after the election. Wow. On November 29th, 
the Electoral College hadn't met yet to officially give the presidency to Grant again. So Greeley is the only major party presidential candidate to have died prior to the electoral vote being cast. Do you know what the rule is, you know, say Trump and Clinton run against each other, or Clinton passes away, what, what's the, do they get to nominate a new? Uh, I don't know, you know, like before the election right. happens. Uh, I'm sure there are rules about that, but I don't think it's it's happened. Um, that's a good question, though. Are you considering killing Donald Trump? Uh, no, 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 no. But The thought has crossed my mind. With, I mean, with Bernie Sanders, he's like, what, 71? And he's... Yeah, I think he's older than... He actually, or he looks older than he actually is. Uh, baseball in 1872. Uh, it was just just starting. There's only 11 teams, and it was the National Association was the name of the league, which only lasted a few more years after 1872. The National Association had started in 1871, and it was the first professional baseball league. Um, even though it's considered the first professional league, Major League Baseball and the Hall of Fame do not recognize it as kind of a major baseball league. The season in 1872, the Boston Red Sockings had the best record at 39-8 and eight and won the championship. Al Spalding, who is from Byron, Illinois, pretty close to us. Uh, he's now a, a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he was the, the best player on the Red Stockings. And according to Wikipedia, he was the premier pitcher of the 1870s. Uh, he pitched every inning of the 1872 season like most pitchers did back then, and he had a, a good ERA of 1.85. Uh, other teams that existed, if you're curious, the Philadelphia Athletics, um, the Baltimore Canaries, New York Mutuals, Troy Haymakers, Cleveland Forest Cities, the Brooklyn Atlantics, Washington Olympics, uh, Middletown Mainsfields, Brooklyn Eckfords, and the Washington Nationals. Well, the, m- mascots have come a long way. They have, and the Nationals the only team you recognize probably, went 0-11. They didn't play near as many games as the rest of everyone else. Or I guess the Washington Olympics went 2-7. and seven. The scheduling seems a bit off if you look <laughs> at the wins and losses. The stat leaders, household names for sure. Ross Barnes led the league in average at 432. Lip Pike of the Canaries led the league with homers uh, with 6. In RBIs, he had 60. And uh, Spalding led the league in wins because his team led the league in wins with 38. And ERI, he led the league as well. Strikeouts, Bobby Matthews of the Canaries led the league in strikeouts with 55. Um, you got a wins above replacement leader that year? I I thought I, there are stats on that, but uh, I didn't look too closely at it because I didn't know how accurate it would be. Um, some interesting notes just from the season itself. Uh, March 4th. Before the season started, at the annual convention in Cleveland, the National Association adopts a rule change to allow the use of the wrist in the pitching delivery. <laughs> so I'm not sure, uh, one, how you didn't use your wrist previously, and then how, you know, if you if you didn't use your wrist in a pitching motion, like how that would be determined, you know, before this rule was implemented to allow it, I don't know how they, they just call it dead when they, they notice that a guy using his wrist. Hmm, yeah, I guess it would be kind of like a lob ball. Yeah, almost like a shot put or something. Uh, one more crazy thing uh, that happened that year. On September 1st, Al Thack, who was a left fielder batting two ninety five for the Brooklyn Atlantics, uh, drowned in a New York harbor after falling from a fishing boat. 
think is the first active major league ball player to die. Obviously, that happens uh, much more often later uh, over the course of baseball's history, but he was the first um, to die. Uh, we talked about Thurman Munson uh, last year on the podcast. Um, but Daryl Kyle, too. Exactly. Yeah, there's been a lot recently, but Alfac was the first one to die. All right, so that was Horace Greeley, 1872. Paul, uh, who's your next bad presidential nominee? I I didn't know we were using the word bad. I thought it was like most interesting or something like that. Uh, strangest, strangest slash worst. Uh, so flash forwarding. Uh, uh, 100 years to 1972, George McGovern is the next candidate we're going to look at. He was a Democratic senator from South Dakota, um, and this was his second run for the presidency. He won the Democratic nomination, and uh, kind of his hallmark, the hallmark of his campaign was withdrawing from Vietnam, very controversial war at the time, and he was the first uh, major candidate to run on that premise on the premise of ending a war and what really did him in was you know one he he said some crazy things but also that right as the general election was coming up uh, Vietnam kind of turned for the better uh, where Henry Kissinger uh, two weeks before the general election vote uh, two weeks before November 8th said that peace was at hand in Vietnam so it really didn't seem uh, all that necessary to be anti-Vietnam at, the, at that time because things were going much better. Now, six months after the uh, election, Nixon actually bombed Vietnam again. So that some people think that um, it's kind of a conspiracy theory that they were saying that so Nixon would get elected. But ah, Nixon, I couldn't possibly. Yeah, straight shooter, right? Uh, McGovern was backed by several uh, celebrities: Jack Nicholson, uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Nice. Our heroes, uh, Paul Newman, as well. Also, Warren Buffett backed him, who's now the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway and Geico. Um, he very, very narrowly won the Democratic primary. Um, uh, an interesting thing that happened right after that. Um, so he, the person he initially was running with as his VP, it came out that he was uh, using electroshock therapy to recover from depression. And at that time, that was like a a really big deal hmm. to talk openly about depression, but also to be kind of using electroshock therapy. Almost, I think the general public saw him as like a a madman, someone that belonged in mental institution. So McGovern dropped that guy, picked up an, a new one, but never really recovered in the public's eye from that. Uh, funny story: late in the campaign, uh, he was giving a speech, and. Uh, a Republican was heckling him for the entire speech. So afterwards, McGovern called this guy over. He was a college student at the time. Called this guy over and whispered in his ear, Listen, you SOB, why don't you kiss my ass? Uh, and then uh, McGovern later admitted that that's actually exactly what he said. And so after that, some some Democrats actually developed these pins that said uh, KMA for kiss my ass. Um so, uh, funny, and also kind of reminds me of Trump a little bit. Uh, he w- did even worse um, in the general election uh, than um, Goldwater. He only won two states out of 50. Massachusetts and um, Washington, D.C. lost in his home state of South Dakota. Wow. 
uh, and only got 37.5% of uh, the popular vote. So did not do well, but an interesting figure for sure. Moving on to the 1972 baseball season, the Oakland A's were the World Series winners that year. Uh, they beat they beat out the Tigers for the American League pennant, but then went, went on to beat the Cincinnati Reds in the World Series. The Reds had beat out the Pirates in the NL pennant. Um, the Reds were backed by uh, the Big Red Machine, so players like Johnny Bench, Joe Morgan, Pete Rose, Tony Perez. Uh, the A's best players, Reggie Jackson was coming into his prime. Uh, Catfish Hunter and Vita Blue were very, very good pitchers that year. And the A shortstop, Brent Kempernaris, was also a really good player that year. And this was actually the beginning of the A's dynasty. They won in 1972 and then went on to win in 73 and 74 also. So back-to-back-to-back World Series um, championships. The first week and, a half the week and a half of the season were canceled due to a strike. This was the first major stoppage. Um, but again, only lasted 10 days compared to 94 when... Uh, half the season was canceled and the World Series. But this was uh, the first 10 days of the season, so they still had a World Series and most of the season. This was also the last year of the American League not having a DH. So in 73, the American League adopted the DH. Um, the National League MVP was Johnny Bench of the Reds. Um, AL MVP was Dick Allen of the White Sox. Cy Youngs were Gaylord Perry in the American League and Steve Carlton in the National League. And that's actually, Carlton's 72 season is considered one of the best of all time. I think he accounted for something like 50, over 50% of uh, the Phillies wins that year. The Phillies were like the worst team in baseball. Oh, yeah, that's right. But Carlton was had an amazing season. And uh, Joe Morgan, second baseman for the Reds, was the war leader uh, at 9.3. Really? It's funny and, sometimes when the broadcasters that don't like sabermetrics like they're actually their playing careers are helped out by um, those sorts of stats. Yeah, having you said Hawk was actually like a much better player. Yeah, Hawk Harrelson, a uh, good player, according to those sorts of stats. So that was 1972. What do you got, Pete? All right, finish this out. I've got 1984 with Walter Mundale. I will say Mundale doesn't fit in the category of like strange or bad politicians. He just got destroyed. Uh, Probably one of the worst defeats ever in the presidential election. Uh, so, Mundale was born in 1928, ran for uh, president on the Democratic side in 1984. He was a senator from the state of Minnesota before becoming Jimmy Carter's uh, vice president in 1976. Carter and Mundale lost uh, their re-election campaign in 1980 to Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush. In 1984, Mundale was the Democratic nominee against Reagan. Uh, Reagan was quite popular at the time after his first four years in office, and he won in a landslide. He beat Mundale uh, in electoral votes 525 to 13. Mundale only won his home state of Minnesota and the District of Columbia. Um, so just got destroyed. Again, seems like an, a good politician. Um, has done a lot in his career, but just ran up against Reagan. And he kind of took the bullet for the party because no one was going to beat Reagan. Um, that year, that's what historians say. Baseball in 1984. Uh, the Detroit Tigers beat the Padres in the World Series. Willie Hernandez, a pitcher for the Tigers, who I had never heard of before. Paul, do you? No, I haven't. Willie Hernandez won the AL MVP and the Cy Young that year. Uh, Ryan Sandberg, second baseman for the Cubs, won the NL MVP. 
Cubs had a very good season. Mm, choke job against the Padres, right? Yes, they lost a uh, heartbreaker against the Padres. Um, so Sandberg won MVP. Rick Sutcliffe, also of the Cubs, won the Cy Young in the NL. Um, he was a midseason pickup for the Cubs, uh, traded to the Cubs from the Indians. After the trade in June, Sutcliffe went 16-1 and uh, with the Cubs. Uh, pretty historic um, midseason pickup. Uh, Dwight Gooden was a rookie with the Mets. He won the Rookie of the Year. Uh, he was only 19 years old at the time, and he led the league in strikeouts. He would win the Cy Young the next year uh, before getting into some uh, drug and crime-related problems um, before kind of getting back on track and pitching for the Yankees later in his career. Pete Rose got his 4,000th hit that year. Um, and lastly, the natural, which is popular on this week's podcast, um, unexpectedly uh, came out in theaters. So starring Robert Redford, a lot of people consider it the best baseball movie of all time. You haven't seen it, right? I have not. I should I should watch it uh, before the season starts to get me excited. But great, great movie. Yeah, a lot of people consider it like, you know, if not the best sports movie of all time, definitely the best baseball movie of all time. It's, I think it's my second favorite baseball movie behind Field of Dreams. Hmm. And the premise is like Redford has, I know he hits the homer at the end and that's what uh, Byron referenced in his interview, but um, what's the premise of the movie? Uh, he's got this bat. That is just special and you can hit it far. Yeah, but he's also a very good player. So, so it's kind of like steroids? Uh, a little bit, yeah. He's a, uh, um, but hits like mammoth homers. So like Space Jam mixed with Hoosiers? Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of uh, mystery to the bat, but um, <laughs> there's also a love story and nice. the manager's kind of an idiot. So, Gotcha. Um, all right. Well, I guess stat leaders for that year, if you're curious, Don Mattingly. Um, 343 average led the American League. Tony Gwynn led the National League, 351. Home runs, Tony Armas with the Red Sox, who I hadn't heard of before, had 43 homers. Dale Murphy and Mike Schmidt had 36 in the National League. And wins for pitchers, uh, 20 in the American League from Mike Boddicker. He had 20 wins, and then uh, 20 wins in the National League was the highest from Joaquin Andujar. Household names. Yes, I, I should really read more about the 80s uh, baseball because I don't know many of these players. All right, so to finish up this political talk, I've got uh, just something in- incredible that I found in my research. Uh, so this guy that I'll talk about uh, did not run for president, uh, but he was included in a list of the, the worst politicians to run for any office. Um, are you prepared for this, Paul? Yeah, I'm very interested. So Byron Looper. Never heard of him. Uh, Byron, who's getting a lot of play, that name, Byron, Illinois, mm-hmm. Byron Anderson. Byron Looper is his name. Uh, and I'll just read straight from the article, which I'll link to in the podcast episode page. It says, if we were defining the worst political candidate in moral terms, not just talking about political ineptitude, then the worst candidate would have to be Byron Low-Tax Looper, the former tax assessor of... Putnam County, Tennessee. Looper, who had legally changed his middle name from Anthony to Lotax, spelled L-O-W-T-A-X, was under indictment by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation for alleged irregularities in property tax assessments when he decided to run in the August 1998 primary for both U.S. Congress and the State Senate at the same time. 
He came in third for the GOP nomination to represent the 6th Congressional District of Tennessee, but he won the state Senate nomination by default because he was the only Republican on the ballot. The nomination gave Looper the right to run against the incumbent state senator, conservative Democrat Tommy Burks. Instead of using standard campaigning techniques like phone banking and TV ads to go after his opponent, Looper decided to give himself an edge by murdering Tommy Burks less than a month ago before the election. This put the local Democrats in a bit of a bind because state law said you can't have a dead candidate on the ballot. But Tennessee state election law also said that a political party can't put a new candidate on the ballot less than 30 days before the election. Wow. We can't know for sure, but Looper's motive for murdering Tommy Brooks may have been to take advantage of this loophole in the law and get himself elected while running un- unopposed. Fortunately, local Democrats and Republicans joined together in a writing campaign for Charlotte Burks, the widow of the murder candidate who beat low-tax Looper by a margin of almost 20 to 1, which is insane that people actually voted for low-tax. Charlotte Burke still serves in the Tennessee le- legislature to this day, while Byron Lotax Looper died in prison in 2013. Yeah, I mean, it, it really seems like a story that like took place in like 1800s or something. To think that it happened in the 90s is, is insane, and also I'm surprised I never heard about it at the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, the changing the middle name to Lotax is big by itself, but then... Obviously, the murder of the other running mate um, or his opponent is a much bigger than that, but both of those are stood out to me. Um, yeah, that's pretty nuts. All right, so that ends our political uh, debate. We will not endorse the candidates publicly on this podcast, but maybe in the future. Uh, looking ahead to our next podcast with uh, the season a few weeks away, we're still on an every other week schedule. So our next podcast will be uh, March 21st in two weeks from when this releases. Um, again, lots of exciting stuff coming from our podcast, from our website, things that we have planned. Uh, so just um, follow along with us. Um, we're super excited for the baseball season to start and to experience it with all of you. Uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. And uh, at some point we'll read more reviews of our podcasts that have come in on iTunes like we have the past couple weeks. Uh, you can send us an email at a foot in the box at gmail.com. Uh, it's a foot in the box at gmail.com. We would love to uh, answer your questions on the air. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at a foot in the box. We're committed to getting 100 followers by opening day. We're, uh, we're like 23 away. Um, so uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter but you listen to the podcast, you should go follow us on Twitter at a foot in the box. Check us out online at afootinthebox.com. It's where you can find old episodes and uh, links that we talk about and uh, also our blog and a countdown to when opening day is. So check that out at afootinthebox.com. Paul, you got anything else? Nope. It's exciting that baseball season is less than less than a month away. And, uh, just a reminder, folks, keep a foot in the box. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks.